0: Good morning. Favorite part of the day, right here. I have a new book to read. Yeah. This is what I want you to do, though. If you are a a child, if you are in Faith Works or you are in elementary school or any kind of a kid, let me look around. They've got a couple down here. Um, Children, I want to be serious for a little bit. I want you to think as you hear this story, I want you to think about your mom and dad. I want you to think about your grandma and grandpa. Um, All right. Nico over there, you're listening to me. All right. Um, All the adults, I want you to do the same thing. I want to think about, I want you guys to think about your parents. Think about your kids. All right. I just think about your family as you, as you hear this story. All right. It's called the kissing hand. Chester Raccoon stood at the edge of the forest and cried. I don't want to go to school, he told his mother. I want to stay home with you. I want to play with my friends. I want to play with my toys. I want to read my books and and swing on my swings. Please, may I stay home with you? Mrs. Raccoon took Chester by the hand and nuzzled him on the ear. Sometimes... We have to do things we don't want to do, she told him gently, even if they seem strange and scary at first. But you will love school once you start. You'll make new friends, you'll play with new toys, you'll read new books and swing on new swings. Besides, she adds, I know a wonderful secret that will make your nights at school seem as warm and cozy as the days at home. Chester wiped away his tears and looked interested. A secret? What kind of secret? A very old secret, says Mrs. Raccoon. I learned it from my mother, and she learned it from hers. It's called the kissing hand. The kissing hand? Asked Chester. What's that? I'll show you." Mrs. Raccoon took Chester's left hand and spread open his tiny fingers into a fan. Leaning forward, she kissed Chester right in the middle of the palm. Chester felt his, his mother's kiss rush from his hand up his arm into his heart. Even his silky black mask tingled with a special warmth. Mrs. Raccoon smiled now. She told Chester, whenever you feel lonely and need a little loving from home, just press your hand to your cheek and think, mommy loves you. Oh, mommy loves you. And that very kiss will jump from your face and fill with toasty, warm thoughts. She took Chester's hand and carefully wrapped his fingers around the kiss. Now. "'Do be careful, and don't lose it,' she teased him. "'But don't worry. "'When you open your hand and, and wash your, f- your, your food, "'I promise that kiss will stick.'" Chester loved his kissing hand. Now he knew that his mother's love would go with him wherever he went, even to school. That night, Chester stood in the front of his school and looked thoughtful. "'Thoughtful.' Suddenly, he turned to his mother and grinned. Give me your hand, he told her. Chester took his mother's hand into his own and unfolded her large familiar fingers into a fan. Next, he leaned forward and kissed the center of her hand. Now you had the kissing hand too, he told her. And with that gentle goodbye and I love you, Chester turned and danced away. Mrs. Raccoon watched Chester scamper across a tree limb and enter school, and as the hoot owl rang in the new school year, she pressed her left hand to her cheek and smiled. The warmth of Chester's kiss filled her heart with special words. Chester loves you, it rang. Chester loves you. The end.
1: Isn't the kissing hand a great story? Love conquering fear. 1 John 4.18, it says this, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. No fear in love. Which I think invites us to ask a question today. What, uh, what are you afraid of? Uh, anybody here afraid of heights? Or as a, a friend of mine says, I'm not afraid of heights. I'm afraid of plummeting from heights. Any, anybody afraid of that? Yep. Okay. All right. Uh, what about this? Anybody afraid of the dark or, uh, or walking into a dark basement? Anyone? Anyone? I saw a horror movie when I was, a, uh, when I was a, too young to see a horror movie. Uh, it's a long story, but it's actually Friends at Church not good anyway and uh, and was scared forever to walk into any boiler room or my basement um actually who am i kidding i'm still a little scared to walk into a dark uh, a dark basement um how about this anybody like me have a slightly irrational fear of spiders particularly large ones or the kind of furry ones anyone right yes we thank god for cheryl who takes care of those in our house What about speaking in front of a crowd of people? Anybody, like, standing up here would just completely freak you out? Anyone? Okay, so we can deal with that one today. If you'll just come on up. Uh, This room is filled with love. Love conquers fear. Uh, The the words are here. You're going to take turns giving the message. It's going to be fun. Nobody's coming forward. What do you mean? What do you mean? You know, I, I think the truth is when we talk about fears, we talk about... Uh, we often talk about phobias—those those things that we're really scared of, like being afraid of public speaking or afraid of spiders or afraid of heights, whatever that is. But the interesting thing when we talk about these fears is, I, I think sometimes it's really easy to to hide behind those and not think about the the things that the fears that drive our daily decisions. Right? I mean, let's be honest—I'm I'm a, I am afraid of spiders. It does change my path through the garage how I put on anything that's been in the garage, I mean, right, it changes a few things, but the reality is I can generally sort of steer around my fear of spiders on a daily basis. But as we think about this word from God today in 1 John, I wonder if it wouldn't help us to think about the fears we don't name when we're asked that question. Maybe because they're harder to name, maybe because we don't think about them, but these fears that are, that are not those big, avoidable fears, but more about the fears that enter into our lives in each and every moment of each and every day. Because I think if we're honest, and maybe I can just be honest for a minute, I, I think there are, there are a lot of fears that can be drivers in our decision-making in our daily lives. Right? We fear not fitting in. We fear being left out. We fear being wrong. We fear we're going to miss out on something. We fear not having enough, not enough particularly when it comes to money. We, we, we fear not having enough. We fear not being in control. We fear others, even when we don't want to admit it. We, we fear those that aren't like us or that, that are different than us. We fear being taken advantage of. You get the idea, all of these underlying fears in our lives. These are, and these are fears that drive us. They're fears that, that impact how we, how we navigate the world, how we make decisions in each and every day, right? For example, right, uh, one of my fears is having enough money for retirement. I don't know how many of you share that, share that fear, having enough money that it's going to last. That drives Lots of decisions in my life, in, in our lives, about money and, and generosity. The fear of messing up in ministry or letting somebody down or, or adversely affecting a life or, or the church, that's a, that's a fear that, that impacts lots of what I do day in and day out. The fear of somebody taking advantage of me. That's in the back of my mind whenever I'm working with somebody new or, or somebody seeking assistance. Now, some of you have probably heard me say fear is a, is a gift from God, right? Fear is, is, we're hardwired to fear at the very core of our humanity. Fear is, is what allows us to survive. If we didn't have any fears, right, we would, we would do things that would shorten our lifespan. But, But the truth is that if we allow that gift of fear to become an idol in our lives, if we allow that gift of fear to to drive us instead of the love of God, then we're held back from the lives that God wants for us. That's what Chester's mom knows, right? If you let fear hold you back from going to school, you're going to miss out on all those great experiences that lie ahead for you. And I, I'm guessing I'm not afraid in those fears. I mean, we can look at the world today, consider this for a moment. In a nation, United States, with a, with a large majority who consider themselves part of a, of a major religion, a religion that all the major religions talk about loving one another, right? In a country where, where we are taught to love one another, why did leaders need to keep people asking keep asking people not to hoard things when the pandemic started? Why did the stores even have to put up signs that said only buy one or two if we were being told to, to care for one another? Well, the answer, right, is fear. Or this, why do, why do people who say that they are part of a, of a faith community, com- communities that encourage generosity and tithing, communities that are about pooling resources so that we can take care of the of the larger community when those communities are studied on average while taught to tithe people only share 2.5% of their annual income in giving and 37% of those who say they're part of a faith community don't give at all in their lives now there may be numerous factors some of you are saying well yeah i mean some people don't have have the the means and some of that's certainly true but but one of those one of those drivers is fear. If I give sacrificially, we think, will I have enough for me, my family, my retirement? Fear impacts our giving. Or we can think of this one, other studies. Why are people in a faith community, I just read this one not too long ago, they're significantly less likely to volunteer at an event, At the, sorry, I said this wrong, People in a faith community are significantly more likely to volunteer at an event that it is at the, the building in the suburb than they are at the same event if it is uh, held at a downtown urban location. Now, this was done in studies of a, of a radius of, of 15 miles. So we're not talking about driving to another community. We're literally just talking about driving downtown to serve. Why? Some might argue convenience, but the reality is people drive downtown in those communities for all kinds of other cultural things. The The answer is fear. Fear so often drives what we do and how we do it. And when we think about that, marketers, I mean, watch commercials. Marketers know how to market to our fears. And watch political commercials. Politicians absolutely know how. To play on our fears. So maybe this reading of Chester Raccoon's story is, is a reminder today that in the midst of, of a world that is full of fear and a world that knows how to play to our fears, maybe we, we ought to take a look at the Bible and say, what does the Bible say about how, how we live with our fears? And 1 John has an answer. It has one answer. First John is a letter at the back of the Bible. If you want to turn there today and, and look at chapter four, which we're going to read from in just a minute, it's at the back of the Bible. After Jesus had come. It's, it's written in the tradition of the beloved disciple John. Uh, we don't know for sure whether it was actually John or, or kind of a follower of John, but we know it's written in that tradition. And 1 John, it's 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 sort of presented as a letter, but the reality is it, it it's a sermon. It's a sermon given to a community. And in 1 John 4, you can think of it as a, as a sermon that crests, right? Like, think of the preacher, he's, he's laid out some ideas, and he's, he's laid some groundwork, and in 1 John 4, he's ready to talk about the heart of the message. Now, now the preacher's going to get animated and excited, and this is what he says, this is how we know that we live in God, 1 John four thirteen. We love because God first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. There is no fear in love. And what does love look like? It says, when we love, we are like Jesus. Which means the question for any follower of Jesus in in any action, any decision, any day is this Am I being driven in my life by love? Or am I being driven by fear? Am I being driven by love? Or am I being driven by fear? And let me say this, because sometimes people will be like, does that mean we should put ourselves in danger? This does not mean we should put ourselves alone in a room with a known axe murderer, okay? I just want to get that out of the way, right? This would not be love. This would just be crazy. But but it does mean we have another question to ask, even in those times of discomfort about the decisions that we're making and how we're reacting to a situation. Another question, another tool for how we we decide what to say and what to do, we have this question, "Is, is what I'm about to do being driven by fear, or is it being driven by love of God and neighbor? When I consider my giving and my, my generosity, am I being driven by fear? Or am I being driven by love? Am I just worried about my own retirement? Am I worried about myself? Or, or like Jesus, am I thinking about how I sacrificially give so that all are cared for and loved? When someone needs help, am I being driven by fear or by love? It doesn't mean I'm not smart in how I help them, but am I being held back because I don't trust them or I'm I'm worried about being taken advantage of fears? Or do I hear Jesus say even to love the enemy and, and to take the coat off my back to help someone else? so I hear a call to push beyond my fears and and to help how I can when I'm invited by friends to do something that I know I maybe shouldn't do anybody had this happen to you in life right when I'm invited by friends to do something I know that maybe I I shouldn't do that right am I being driven by fear that my friends will think less of me Or am I being driven by love that says, you know what, if I love my friends, maybe I should tell them this isn't a great thing for us to do. When I get angry at someone else's leadership and feeling like I don't have control, is my reaction, does it come out of fear? Or does it come out of love? I think I've shared this story before, a moment for me when this question of fear versus love really really came into play I was preaching one night at uh, one night at my church and uh, uh, we had an evening service and a guy walked in off the streets and, uh, and he said that his girlfriend had dumped him off on the highway which was about a mile away had dumped him off on the highway and uh, and just left him there and uh, uh, it was worship was just about to start and our hospitality team, kind of heard his story, but his story was sketchy, and the details were really sketchy, and uh, the guy was like a little sort of mentally off, and you could feel that, and um, credit to our hospitality team. They invited him in and said, look, we can't help you right now. We're just about to start worship, but if you'll come in, we're actually having a meal after worship tonight. Come in, worship with us, have the meal. As it turns out, God at work probably, uh, the, the sermon that night was about hospitality, so um, so uh, uh, we welcomed him in, and, and he worshiped with us, and then I sat down with him after, and I heard this story, and sure enough, he, he said it again, this, a girlfriend just dumped him off um, between, like, uh, from, they left Nebraska, and they were on their way to Pennsylvania, and she just dumped him in, in Indianapolis, and right, I mean, does this happen? I mean, in my head, it's like, does this happen, and what's he trying to get out of this, and because um, people stop by the church all the time just to kind of get handouts, and I, and I didn't know what to do, and, and so we talked, and finally, I just said to him, you know, as, as I thought about, I just preached about hospitality. I preached about not fearing the stranger. I preached about our call to help, to reach out a hand, to, to rescue, to love, um, so God, what do you want me to do here? And so I said to him, I'm like, what what do you need? And he said, I just want to get back to Nebraska. I said, all right, um, we can do that for you. And so uh, the the crew at our church packed up a bag, just as much food from leftover from dinner as they could put in it. And uh, and I was smart about helping him. I didn't go by myself to take him to the uh, to the train station. My dad happened to be in town that weekend, so my dad uh, got with me and, and we went down to the train bus station, to the bus station. And uh, uh, we went down and we Bought him a ticket, and at this point, I hadn't given him any cash because I still didn't know really what was going on here. Um, we bought him a ticket to back to Lincoln, Nebraska, and uh, and then I saw this fear in his eyes. He's like, I, uh, he's like, I, will I have to change buses? And we're like, yeah, you're going to go to Chicago, and then you'll switch. And, you'll, and he he didn't know how to do that, so we introduced him to the bus driver. And it was at that point that I realized, I, I mean, he really he really is hurting and lost. And I gave him some cash and said, if there's an emergency, here's some, here's some cash for you. Uh, we introduced him to the bus driver and, um, and said, the bus driver can help you find the next bus that you're going to get on. About uh, two weeks later, maybe it was three even, I'd kind of forgotten about it. You know, I had no idea, it was, you know, was it all legit, what, what happened? Two or three weeks later, I have a an- uh, uh, my blinker on my answering machine is on, and I picked it up, and there's this message from the guy's mom and she said you saved my son's life like sure enough he uh, has a learning disability Um, he got in with this girl that he really didn't know got in a car with her and she tossed him out and um, and he couldn't have found his way back without your help and i was so thankful because there are times in my life when i've been driven by fear I was so thankful that night to have been driven by love. You see, this story today, it reminds us that everybody, everybody needs to carry the promise that they are loved. And so I hope if you've been struggling with that, you can carry that promise Away from here today and know that, that God's love is with you, that God travels with you. But I hope that if you know that love, we also hear this call that there are a lot of people out there that don't know that promise, that are driven by fears. And we have this gift. We have this gift to give to them of a love that we know in Jesus. The kiss. In the hand is a reminder to the little raccoon that he is never alone. The knowledge that the Holy Spirit is in us and working through us is like our kiss, that we are never alone, that God is here and active in every moment of our lives. So, our question is how can we let the love that conquers fear guide our lives? How can we share that with others? Each week at Clay Church, we have, a, we have a, a, a faith fit challenge. We don't always announce them uh, during the message, but, uh, but you'll find them every week in our, our life guide. You'll find them in the circle guides that are online. It's, it's a way to live out the message during the week. And here it is for this week. And I hope you'll just, I hope you'll take this one with you and, and practice it this week. Each day, I want to invite you to read the first three verses of Psalm 46. This is what they say. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Here's what I want to invite you to do. I want you to invite you to read those every morning when you get out of bed. Print it out, put it by your bedstand, put it at the breakfast table, read it every day before you, before you go anywhere, before you get into your day. And then when you're stressed or when you're challenged or when you're making a decision about what you're going to say or, or do or put in that email that you're writing at work, I want to invite you just to, just to take your hand and put the palm to your cheek or if that feels weird to you, just, just put it to your forehead like a parent laying a kiss there. Right? And think of God's loving presence. And let that loving presence of God drive away the fears and let you make that decision, say those words in God's love. Ask yourself, what does it mean in that moment for love to drive out your fear? Amen? Amen.